Well, good morning. It's good to be back in this setting. Having uh, spoken at Northside Tempest twice in the last couple of, of weeks, haven't uh, always been here, but it's been uh, good to be connected in that uh, setting as well. Well, we're in a series in Romans, which hopefully you know we've been in this series for a number of months, uh, walking through this incredible text and all that God has for us to challenge us uh, in, in Romans. Today, we're continuing in Romans uh, chapter 12. Last week, uh, Adam and Chandra spoke here, and I was at Northside, and my daughter Jody was speaking with me, and it's one of the things I love about this church is we want to raise up young leaders and disciple young leaders, and so it was interesting last Sunday, uh, both having Adam here and, and Jody helping me there, it was a lot of fun, and both going through this text, Broadway was doing uh, Pentecost Sunday, so I mean, they were doing something else, but that was really good, because it was Pentecost Sunday. Anyways, um, Romans 1 and 2 is about living sacrifice. Romans 1 and 2 is about, or 12, verses 1 and 2 is about being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And as we go further now today in verses 3 to 8, we see that we are being transformed, being renewed, and we're called to live out that transformation in the context of community. We're called to live out the transformation of the mind and our renewal in the body of Christ in a body of believers. And that living, being a living sacrifice is, is giving up some of our own desires, giving up some of our own wants, giving up some of the things that, that we might prefer, even in ways that we use our gifts, as we'll see today at times, for the sake of the body. And so the rest of Romans chapter 12 is what a renewed mind looks like in, in the body of Christ. Let me read uh, verses 3 to 8, our primary text for today from Romans chapter 12. It says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think that you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Let me just stop there for a minute. Talk about body parts. Paul uses this analogy, this metaphor of a physical body. And he uses it in other places that we'll, we'll see in, in just a, a minute as well too. But he's talking about, and he's going into a section on spiritual gifts. But first of all, he's talking about you are part of the body. Even the song that we just sung about is, is about the words that we just sung about being a living sacrifice, that God would take all that we are and that we use it for His glory and in the context of the body. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you flip over to that text where Paul is teaching to the church in Corinth, he also uses that analogy of the body. In, in 12, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, he says, The human body is many parts, but many parts make up one whole body. And so it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we've all been baptized into one body, by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Then Paul goes on and he he talks about being a hand or a foot, and he he builds out this metaphor even more in, in Corinthians there. And then a little bit further on, he says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. And so this language, this metaphor of being the body of Christ, being the church, being the collective group of believers is something that Paul speaks about and teaches on and uses and leverages that imagery and I think is helpful for us to understand uh, even the, the gifts that we have and how we use them. 
So when the body thrives and the body parts are being used, the church thrives. It's a beautiful, functioning, and unified movement of living sacrifices. Now, we all know that in our human bodies, uh, oftentimes we go through seasons where our bodies don't work so well, right? Anybody else experiencing that as you age a little bit? Yeah, some of you don't want to admit that. So, I, yeah, I have uh, this phone. It has a big screen. Some of you have big screens. And, and the thing I like about this is that you can make the font as big as you want, right? So for some of us, and I'm just starting into that era, and some of you are well beyond this, you know, you read things and my eyes are adjusting. Even Kevin said this morning, Bruce, your eyes going bad? Like I'm always readjusting when I'm reading things. So yeah, it's starting to happen to me. We have someone on our staff who, when they have a screen this size, their font is so big, there's only about six words on it. Now, those will remain unnamed, but our body starts to change, right? And, and sometimes when all of our body parts don't function the way we want to, it's frustrating. One of my favorite stories about this is actually my older brother, who's a lawyer. He lives in Calgary, and he, he uh, is a corporate lawyer, and his company was doing a bunch of work in Florida, and so he was traveling back and forth to Florida a lot a number of years ago, and uh, he was flying back to uh, Calgary, he's going home, and he had a meeting that morning, and he knew the day before that he started to not feel really well. Okay, something's off. He was getting sick all morning, and then he got on the plane, and he thought, I just got to get home. And so he was still in his suit and tie, because it was business attire, and he was working. And he sits down on the plane, and he had the middle seat in a section of three. Two people right beside him, he's in the middle, he thought, I'm just going to sleep. So he crosses his arms like this, and he just tries to put off the, you know, the feeling that is coming over him, not feeling good, and he, and he falls asleep. Well, in the middle of the flight, he wakes up, and he starts to realize that, I think i got to throw up. And then, you know, they have those bags there, which none of us ever want to use, and, and he's kind of reaching for them. So he goes like this, and then he realizes that his hands went to sleep because of his arms being crossed, and his, he had absolutely no feeling in his hands, none. They were completely numb. And he says, I'm sitting there in my suit, and I'm, I'm like gagging already, and I'm reaching for the bag, and I'm trying to open it like this. And he says, I, none of my fingers are working, like none of them. And he's like, I'm trying to open it. And the people beside me, I'm like, what would they be thinking, right? I love that story. <laughs> because it's my brother. But when body parts don't work the way that they're supposed to work, it causes problems, right? And so what Paul is saying here in the similar, not quite like that way, but our bodies, the body of Christ, needs to have all the parts functioning. Parts that work for the glory of God. In Romans 12 and verse 3, and that's where I want to focus a lot of our attention on today, it's really Paul saying, you know, it's actually not about you. And oftentimes when we come to spiritual gifts, we forget that it's not about us. And so that's why Paul says here, he says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think that you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. And so Paul is saying, take an honest look. Take an honest evaluation. An honest assessment of who you are. Understand that clearly. He's, he's pointing to the importance of humility and unity in order for the gifts to be used effectively in the body of Christ. Because you see, changed lives require changed hearts. And so, humility is not something that we often see as kind of put out there as a high virtue or value in our culture. In the Roman culture that Paul would have been speaking to, 
Humility was not a virtue, not at all. And, and oftentimes, I mean, we, we see even in our culture today that it's not often seen as a virtue either. When we see our political leaders push their way to the front of the line, literally, um, it reminds us of the sad cultural values that are at play. And this text reminds us that we are called to humility, a different approach. We need a modest view of self and a generous view of others. And it strikes me that if Satan is wanting to destroy the church, if Satan is wanting to discourage you in your gifts, if Satan is wanting us not to be effective body parts, then either extreme will work adequately well. Either we can think of ourselves too much and think too highly of ourselves and the gifts that we have and that we have way too much to offer and that, oh, you need my gifts. Or we can think of ourselves as nothing and that we have nothing to offer at all. And I think Satan is quite okay with either one. And what Paul is saying is, no, take an honest evaluation of yourself. You have gifts. You have something to offer. Don't think of yourself so highly that the church could never function without you, but also don't think of yourself so lowly that you have nothing to offer. And so he's saying humility is having this accurate assessment of who you are in God's eyes. See yourself accurately. We think too highly of ourselves, we won't treat other body parts right. If we think too lowly of ourselves, we won't function in the full capacity that God has intended for us. You know, it's so interesting how before Paul gets into the, the lists and the verses that follow here that we'll look at in a, in a minute, he begins with this call to humility. He begins with this call to unity, really, because that's what humility brings is, is unity in the body of Christ. And it strikes me how similar that is to even some of what I referred to earlier in 1 Corinthians, another place in 1 Corinthians 12, where we have another list of spiritual gifts there. And in 1 Corinthians 12 and in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul, in that text, he's speaking about spiritual gifts and teaching on all these different gifts in the church that the, that the Spirit of God gives us. And then right there in the middle of that, in 1 Corinthians 13, parked between 12 and 14, is this chapter on what? Love. This incredible chapter on love. And you might kind of go, well, that, what's that wedding chapter doing right in the middle of the spiritual gifts? Now, I've often said when it's been used at a wedding, I've used it at a wedding, it's, it's appropriate, it applies, this is what love looks like, but the context is actually spiritual gifts. If you're going to use spiritual gifts, you need to have love at the core. Because Paul says in that text that if you don't, you're nothing but an irritating noise and a clanging cymbal. And your gifts will be completely missed and not appreciated by the church because there's no love at the base of that. And similarly, in this text, in Romans 12, Paul starts off by this call to, to humility and this call to unity before he even gets into the gifts. Similar kind of thing. It's like this preemptive strike of, you know, before you get all full of yourself with the gifts that you have, understand the role of humility and to see an accurate view of yourself. Not seeing yourself too low, but not seeing yourself too high. See yourself the way God sees you. This accurate picture. You are a child of the king with the gifts that you have and use them with confidence but humility. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is so foundational for using the gifts of the Spirit. In Galatians, where Paul speaks of the fruit of the Spirit and those things like love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, goodness, all those things are so foundational as we 
use them as the platform for the gifts. And so here in, in Romans 12, he's saying that this modest view of oneself and a generous view of others is what leads to a healthy body. You know, we often come to these spiritual gifts and we have a personal view, right? We might think, well, what are, what are my gifts? What are the gifts that God has for me? How can I develop and, and use my gifts? And I wonder, what if we came to this text and we rather had the view of the other first and foremost in mind? That if we just as tenaciously, tenaciously looked at and affirmed and developed and discerned the gifts in other people, to fan those into flame for the sake of the body. That a reason for being a body part, for the, that a reason for being uh, using our gifts in the church is to help actually others grow. Which is what I think Paul is pointing to and Paul is encouraging us in and saying this is what a renewed mind, a transformed life looks like as you express your gifts in this way. It's a call to interdependence as a church. That we might actually need each other. We live in a society where independence is one of the highest values. Now, independence is good. In fact, I see that as a primary part of my role even as a parent. I want to raise up independent children who are functioning and mature independent children. So there's a healthy measure of that for sure that we want and we need. But when independence goes to the extreme and we, we actually don't feel like we need other people, and in fact, we don't even see other people sometimes, when we have too high a view of independence. But in this text, Paul is saying we all belong to each other at the end of verse 5. That we all belong to each other. There's this interdependence. We need each other. I need you. You need me. We need each other as the body of Christ. Then in verses 3 and also in verse 6, which we'll look at in just a minute, he has this interesting term where he talks about this measure of faith, depending on your translation. And he says, use these gifts in the measure of faith that God has given you. And you might ask, well, is it different for every person, even at different times? Or is it a common measure of faith from God? Well, I think there is a common measure of faith that God has given us, for sure. But it seems to me that it also varies by individual. In verse 6, he says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. And so there is this different kind of place that we might be at, even in a season of life. Or how we, you might call it a a stewardship issue, a measure of our stewardship of faith more than anything else. How are we stewarding this gift? What does that look like? What is the measure of faith that God has given you at this point in your life? I think that our ability to exercise our gifts, they vary even from season to season. You might go through seasons where you're able to use your gifts in all kinds of ways and other seasons where they kind of sit dormant for a while. And God might be doing other things within you. And God might be using other people with other gifts or similar gifts within the body of Christ in different ways. And as I was thinking about this text, I also thought, you know, it's, we have to be careful when our maturity is not at the same level as our gifts. And sometimes that can happen where... Our spiritual gifts may be at a certain level, but our, our maturity actually hasn't caught up. And what would be the sense of maturity? I think the sense of maturity would be our humility in terms of how we come to these gifts and our desire for unity in the body 
whatever it takes for unity in the body. I think Paul had such an extraordinary sense of the need for unity in the body of Christ. Jesus did too. Spoke about that at length. It was his final prayer as he, as he prayed for those who would follow that they would have unity. You know, reflecting on the church in Corinth again in 1 Corinthians, Corinth had gifts in great abundance. I mean, they had all kinds of gifts. You see that if you read Corinthians and, and the things that Paul was addressing there. I mean, they obviously had all kinds of gifts that were being utilized and leveraged in all kinds of ways. But Paul also had to challenge them because their maturity had not caught up to their giftedness. And so he addressed them and me. They abused the grace that they had received from Christ in 1 Corinthians 5 where they had this person who was living with his stepmother. And they said, no, no, no. That is not something that's appropriate and you need to actually call that out. They took communion together. If you look at 1 Corinthians 11 where they would come together and people would just start eating and they wouldn't even wait for others. Other people would get drunk at those things in terms of the wine that they had for the communion. He goes, no, no, no. This is not the way that you do this. You need to have maturity in terms of using these gifts that you have. And that 1 Corinthians 13, that love chapter, right in the middle of all these gifts like tongues and prophecies and the other things that Paul is teaching on and describing, he says, love has to be at the core of this. There has to be a maturity in how you use and grow in these gifts. And then the body thrives when they are used in that kind of way. You see, when we use our gifts out of defiance, or for our own glory, rather than God's glory and the unity of the body, it's, it's destructive for the church. Which is why, again, I think Paul starts off with this call to humility and having an accurate view. And having the view of unity. You know, and sometimes we get into trouble because of the word gift and the word that's used here. Gifts are typically given for our own benefit, right? And our own pleasure, these gifts are very different kind of gifts. They're the same in the sense that they, they're gifts. They can't be demanded or coerced. They're only something that you can just receive. But they're different in the sense that they're actually not for you. They're for the body. And so when we get fixated on what is my gift and how do I use my gift and so on, it, it shows the, the need for humility that needs to grow in our maturity because these gifts are for the benefit of the church, the body. All of these gifts that you look at, they're for the benefit of that. Maybe the exception is tongues. But Paul calls out the church to live in these gifts and to do so in a way that builds up the body. And the word gift means charisma, charismata, the, a God-given ability to serve the community of Christ in a specific way. So let's read uh, verses 6 to 8 and some of the gifts that he lists here. Not an exhaustive list, but... But again, a sampling of some of the things that he wants to point out to this church for whatever reason. So he says, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, uh, if it is giving give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, just do it gladly. So he mentions a number of things. And again, if you look at 1 Corinthians 12, you see a whole other list. If you look at Ephesians chapter 4, you see another list. If you go to 1 Peter chapter 4, you see another list. None of them exhaustive, but just giving expressions of some of the gifts of the body. And I think the gifts are so much even beyond these ones that we see that are articulated in Scripture. 
But here he expresses a number of them, and he says, here's some of the ways. And if you have this gift, have an honest view, an honest assessment, an honest measure of how God has given you this gift, and lean into it with humility. Serve the body. Use it for the sake of others. Build up the church. Another, a number of misconceptions that we can have when it comes to these spiritual gifts is, first of all, we might say, well, this gift is for me, like we talked about. It's not. The gift is for the body of Christ to serve up, to serve others. None of the gifts are our own exclusively. Another misconception might be, well, my, my gift doesn't matter, really. That's not true. Your gift does matter. You have something to offer. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Spirit of God within you and you have the gifts of the Spirit within you. And every person is a gift and brings gifts to the body and can be used in all kinds of different ways. Another misconception is you might think, well, it's optional that I use those. No, it's actually not optional. It's part of being of the body of Christ. It's being part of this living organism. It's being this living sacrifice that was in the first two verses of this chapter. Your gifts matter, and they matter to the church. Don't compare with other people's gifts. Use them uniquely in the way that God has wired you, but it's not optional to be part of the church in that way. We're all called to serve the body. In our home, as our kids were growing up, uh, and it's actually still on the cupboard door. I don't know when the last time we looked at it, but in one of our cupboard doors, if you open it, there's this white sheet. Jody, you know what I'm talking about. It's still there. And what does it say on the top of the sheet? It says, we don't talk about chores. At the top of the line, it says, how will you serve your family today? Our kids hated that. (laughs) But the point is, is that you're part of the family. Everybody serves. So it's not about chores. and It's like, how are you going to serve the family today? And so as I would look to you as the body of Christ and the family of God here at Forest Grove Community Church, I would open the door and look at the sheet and say, how will you serve your family today? It's a question for every one of us that we all have to answer. It's not an option. We are all called to serve the body. We're all called to serve the family. So what will that look like? How has God wired you? What are the gifts that he has given you? And how has God called you to serve? I want to invite up Val Buron, and she's part of my message today. So Val, come on up. I've asked Val to, if I could just interview her and ask her a couple of questions on things. Oh, she has a surprise. Look at that. So uh, many of you know Val. Uh, Val and Bob have been part of our church for, for many years, and I've really come to appreciate her in so many ways. And I've just uh, been so encouraged by how God has just been coming alive in her as of late. I mean, she's a joyful person to begin with, but uh, the Spirit of God has just been really working in her in unique ways. And uh, she's one of the people that I sometimes send, I have a small group that I sometimes send prayer requests and just support me in prayer in different ways, and she loves to pray and use her gifts in different ways. And so I said, can I just ask you a couple of questions about spiritual gifts and what God's doing? And she said, yes. So that's what we're going to do. So Val, how has God been encouraging you recently, and specifically in this area of spiritual gifts, and what have you been discovering about this in your own life? Well, I think I should just um, give a little background to where this all started. Um, God was definitely pursuing um, me and our family. And about eight years ago, just shortly after we started coming here, 
um, we had a real defining moment in our family that involved a prophetic word that was given by a complete stranger to Bobby, and it impacted us so profoundly, all of us. But what it did for me in particular was it made me hungry. I, I thought to myself, I want to hear God like that. I want to be able to use, be used by God and the Holy Spirit to speak a word of life into somebody like that man spoke into Bobby and into our family. And so what it started was this hunger for more of his presence because I knew that it was in his presence that I would be able to hear his voice more clearly and, and also to recognize the gift and the unique way that the Holy Spirit wanted to minister to me. So there was two things that I did in, in pursuit of his presence, and one of them was uh, through praise and worship. In Psalm 22, it says that he inhabits the praises of his people. So that's where I wanted to dwell, because if he inhabits my praises, then he set up his throne in my praises and in my worship. And that's why I have such a a high value for music and for worship because that has been the key in me experiencing intimacy with Jesus like I never had before. And the other one was just this pursuit, this hunger for the gifts. I, I've seen them used um, for me, for my family, for people that I love, and I thought, I, I, want, I want all of them. I want what he has to offer. He's a good father, and he gives good gifts to his children. So I'm his daughter. I want those gifts too. So it was just this hunger, insatiable hunger, and a pursuit. And out of that, um, as he began to fill me up, I realized that it wasn't about what I did. It was about what was flowing out of me. It was about the overflow. So as I pursued just knowing him, mm-hmm. it was... When he began to use me, which wasn't my pursuit, it just came out of the overflow of my knowing him better and loving him more. That's awesome. And I love Val's story of it wasn't about pursuing certain gifts. It was just about knowing Jesus. And out of that, how God has, has just shown himself more and more to you. So Val, this text talks about taking an honest look at ourselves. You know, not too high, not too low, but this idea of humility and, and how does using our gifts in humility connect to verse 1 and 2 where it talks about being a living sacrifice, being, having a re- renewed mind, how does that, and being transformed? How do those connect for you? Well, I think for me, uh, my transformation came um, just in this pursuit of him. But as far as using my gifts, um, that was I would disqualify myself before I even asked the Lord what my gifts were because... I had all sorts of reasons why I didn't think I had any gifts to use for the church. I mean, they were ridiculous, but most of them were founded just out of fear and insecurity. And so as I began to pursue him, and that was my number one focus was pursuing his presence, I began to realize that um, he had a unique gift and a unique calling for my life that was just for me, and just it was unique to my calling and to my purpose and my divine destiny. And I know those, those that know me well know that I'm not the same person that I was before. I like to call that other person Valberon Light. And <laughs> <laughs> now I am what really is the true definition of my name, which is valor and courageous. Mm. So um, every so often I revert back to the other Valberon, but that's not who I am. That's not what he's called me to be. That's awesome. 
Last question, just what are a couple of things that you'd want to encourage the church in uh, in regards to this text and what, is God, and what God's teaching you about the spiritual gifts and the power of the Spirit? Okay, so this is, this is where my, my prop comes in. Mm-hmm. This was just a couple of weeks ago. Um, I had been experiencing um, really a, an incredible season of acceleration and just um, doors opening up and opportunities and, and um, moving in ways that I never thought I would be able to, to move in. And yet, just a couple of weeks ago, I found myself sort of at this, um, I don't know, crossroads. I was feeling some frustration. I was feeling some resistance. I was feeling like I'm not really doing anything. And so I, um, I was listening to a podcast. It was an older message on um, the life of Moses. It wasn't yours, but you did one that was very good, and I remembered some of the things that you said. Yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> some things in particular that you said. And as I listened to this message on um, this friend of God, I was, um, I was out walking, and um, it was talking particularly about how uh, Moses disqualified himself. And what did God say to him? He said, what is in your hand? And so Moses picked up his rod. And so, okay, I thought, okay, Moses is getting trained on the backside of the desert. I guess my training ground is the backside of a golf course. So I thought, I, I don't have anything in my hand. So I looked around. And, yeah, you can pull it out. I found a stick. Because I wanted to have something in my hand. I wanted, I had a feeling in my spirit this was a defining moment for me. It was a reminder of what he'd called me to and what my destiny was. And so I took the stick, and there was nobody around. And I, and I held it up, and I thought, okay, I got a stick in my hand, but what is it? What is the stick? What's in my hand? And he said, it's your calling. It's your rod. And I thought, okay, well, what is that? Well, it's worship-based intercession. It's words. It's your pen. And so it became a symbol, as it was a symbol in Moses' hand of power and authority. That became my symbol of power and authority. And the other thing that he reminded me of was, wherever I wield this, wherever I um, wave it, that is my circle of influence, and that it affects everybody in my circle of influence. It affects my family. It affects my church. It affects you. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I have been wielding it at you quite a bit. I know. With big target, yep. because I know that your circle of influence, it, it's not mine, but you are wielding it well, and, and it's important to pray for the, for the leaders of this church, because... We all, but we all have um, a circle of influence, and we all have something in our hand. So this became a really powerful defining moment for me, that it was a gentle reminder, as if I didn't get it already, that I do have influence and impact, and that he has already given me what I need. It's already in my hand. It's, it's not something I have to find by doing more or being on a committee or I already have it in my hand and he's already given it. So what I've done with this stick, it's in my house now, it's above my desk. I have words that I have written all over it. And every so often, and even this morning, I added another one because I realized, oh yeah, I do that too. So um, I just want to encourage everybody to 
take what's in your hand. Take what he has given you. It could be a drumstick. Write on it if you want. It could be a spatula. It could be maybe your rod in your hand is, is joy or generosity, anything. But use what's in your hand. Use what he has gifted you uniquely for because he, uh, he is as anxious to get you to your place of destiny and your calling as you are. Amen. Amen. Can we say thank you to Val? Thank you, Val. So one of the things I appreciate so much about Val and what she shared was just that, you know, you maybe have never seen her before. She's not one who serves up on the platform. Uh, I know that she is often at the door and greeting people, but that's one of the plays that she serves in a practical way. But so much behind the scenes stuff of just prayer and intercession, words of encouragement, prophetic words that she senses just what God is putting on her heart for somebody. She sent some of those to me. What a way to build up the church in all kinds of ways and really behind the scenes kind of ways that is just coming out of this overflow of what God is doing in her life. And I love that call to just intimacy. It's just about intimacy, about knowing Jesus. And out of that, God continues to show you what's in your hand and how he can use you for his glory. Thank you, Val, for sharing that. Worship team, why don't you come on up? I just want to conclude and, with a couple of points and then I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing some songs in response. You know, don't, don't confuse gifts and ministry positions. They're not the same thing. And, and you even got a sense of that from Val's story. For instance, I mean, if you have pastoral gifts, you don't need to be a pastor to use them. There are opportunities to use pastoral gifts all over the place. If you have a teaching gift, you don't need to be an official teaching role to use those gifts. If you've been given gifts to lead, there are all kinds of opportunities for you to lead every day in all kinds of settings. You don't need a ministry position necessarily, even though we do need people in these positions. But Paul is just saying, if you have these gifts, step into them. Use them in all kinds of settings. On our website, if you go to Attridge Resources, you'll see a place there called Serving Opportunities. And we've had that on there for a long time. And it gives some more specifics that you can press into about how to discover your spiritual gifts, how you can use your spiritual gifts, where you can serve in the church and those things. So I'd encourage you to go there and to look at those opportunities as well as, as God would lead you to serve and to be effective body parts in the body of Christ. Let me pray. And so, Lord, I just thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for the body parts of Christ that are here in front of me and that are part of our congregation, each of our congregations, Lord. Thank you for the incredibly gifted people that have served in this church for decades and decades and decades. And God, I pray for everyone here that nobody would feel that they're disqualified, that nobody would feel like they have nothing to offer but that each one would have an honest assessment and evaluation of of themselves, that they would look at themselves in humility, not thinking too much of themselves, but also not thinking too little of themselves. Lord, that we would have an accurate and honest measure of ourselves, that we would see ourselves through your eyes, the gifts that you have given us and the, the grace that is there for each one of us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. And Lord, as we just have come out of Pentecost Sunday last week and and this unique giving of the Holy Spirit in that setting and that we have this gift and the power of the Holy Spirit, would you release your power upon our church? Would you release the gifts upon our church in new ways and new freedom, Lord, we pray. And God, that you would have a new season for us of using the gifts for your glory and for your kingdom's sake. We just ask for that, Lord Jesus. In your name, amen.